The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I can't believe that you're not caught up on succession and you're not going to watch the finale. I know, but you know Jeremy Strong really stresses me out. I, he's like too too intense. I can't, I can't stand how good he is. All right, someday you're going to watch, and then we will discuss. Okay. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside of L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk to documentary filmmaker Caroline Sue about her compelling new docuseries, Working What We Do All Day. Then in the mailroom, we answer a question about lost ideas. And this week, our Hollywood hack is actually a question for listeners. We need your help with our summer wardrobe. And finally, Liz has a podcast recommendation. But first, Sarah, we have an update. We are still on strike. The WGA is on strike. And we want to thank everyone who is giving writers so much support. Everyone from people in other unions to just regular people. (laughs) I heard a friend of mine, you know, who lives in upstate New York, who was like, hang in there. It really makes a difference to morale, getting that kind of support. So the Guild and its members very much appreciate it. And we also want to remind everyone that you can give to the Entertainment Community Fund if you want to help those impacted by the strike. So that's not just writers, that's other people who work in Hollywood who are not able to work because productions aren't happening. Okay, Liz, it is time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyche. And this week, it is working, specifically the incredible new limited docuseries on Netflix called Working, What We Do All Day, which comes from Barack Obama and one of Liz's best friends in the entire world, Caroline Sue. (laughs) What We Do All Day examines a variety of jobs across the home care, tech, and hospitality industries. It examines the question of what makes a good job and follows workers from the bottom of the ladder up to the C-suite. I binged the whole thing in one night because it is absolutely gripping. Yes. And we're so happy that Caroline is here to talk to us today. 
Caroline Sue is an independent documentary filmmaker whose work in film, television, and commercials has been featured on Netflix, CNN Films, Sundance Channel, PBS, and Epics, among others. Over her 20-year career, Caroline has directed, produced, and served as showrunner for high-end feature films and series. Caroline directed and executive produced the four-part Netflix series Working What We Do All Day, which she developed with President Barack Obama and his company Higher Ground. She also directed the feature documentary Black Pink, Light Up the Sky for Netflix, about the K-pop girl group phenomenon, which I also uh, binge, Sarah. It was... <laughs> Amazing. For Netflix, Caroline also made Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, which was a huge hit. I loved Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And I love working. I'm a fan of Caroline's. Yes. Caroline, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to talk to you about this docuseries. Okay, Caroline. So it was inspired by Studs Terkel's famous book about working in the United States, I've heard President Obama talking about that in the press. Did he come to you with that idea? How did this come about? So President Obama does love that book. He actually brought us like his copy from college that had his name written on the front page, which was very sweet just to show us. Wow. And it was all weathered, and obviously he had read it a million times. Uh, but he actually, he wanted to do a series about work. And, it, you know, Sud Sterkle kind of came later, but... Um, you know, he, he just wanted to do something about work. And it wasn't clear, like, what the series would be or if it would be, like, a one-off documentary or what it would be. So we eventually decided, oh, let's use Studs as a role model for what we're trying to do. And, Caroline, yes. what do we need to be happy at work? Since we are happier in Hollywood, and this is one of the things you talk about. Yes, that is a good question. I mean, I think, obviously, being able to support yourself is key. It's the most important thing. I think, you know, certain things we learned in the series, like it's hard to be happy in life if you don't have stability. Yeah. Like you can have a job that pays really well, but if you don't have stability, it's hard to feel like you're in control of your own life. As a freelancer, and I know you guys are doing that in the midst of the strike, I definitely can relate to that personally. But this is the life that, like, we've chosen. But if you haven't chosen this life, then it's kind of a different scenario. And dignity is a big thing. That came up a lot when we were trying to develop the series. Like, one thing is, like, we just question. It's like, okay, there are always going to be jobs at the bottom. So given that, how do we think about that? That Some people are going to have to do jobs that aren't paid as well and that, you know, are the lowest level on the ladder, and I guess from doing all the reading, it, turned, it it seems like the answer to that is like those jobs have to have dignity. So you have to be treated with respect. Like you can't be abused on a basic level. But people, yeah, you can't, it, you have to f leave work feeling like you're a human being. Well, I thought it was really interesting. You, you follow people who work at the Pierre Hotel in New mm -hmm. York. What's great is in the series, you go from the lowest level to the highest. So mm -hmm. from the people who are cleaning the rooms, up to the CEO of the company that owns the Pierre Hotel. And there, there's a union, I, I should mention, yeah. at, at the hotel, which yes. clearly makes a huge difference in terms of this feeling of dignity and stability and yeah. protection. It was amazing the sort of the sense of camaraderie that existed at that hotel on all levels. Yeah. 
that's never is that true. why you chose it we actually we're, we're gonna film tata has another hotel in india the taj hotel which is like this gorgeous uh it's where that um terrorist attack happened yes and yes. we were gonna film there but then covid happened so we switched to new york and the pier and we were you know when we were deciding whether we should do that we came upon like, oh, there's an important union story here, which is something that we definitely wanted to do in the series, but um, hadn't found the right story. So we were really psyched about that. And then when you go there, you know, like to Elba, two of the characters in working are their husbands also work at the hotel. So it's like people build their whole lives. I mean, when you work at some place for that long, it's quite likely that you're going to, you know, find a life partner and it seems at first we were like can we really have two of our subjects be married to people at the hotel does that seem like we're trying to make some sort of bizarre point but that's just the way it is there because people work there for decades right so yeah it does give you know it's different than Carmen who's delivering Uber Eats who doesn't see anyone else who has no colleague she has no community she has no way of like learning from anyone else or getting help from anyone else if she has a question so it really is like a very unique place. Um, people work there until like until they retire. What was the most surprising thing you learned, Caroline, in the process of making the series? I guess, you know, I had never really thought about why things are the way they are. Like it's just been a given, especially for I think people our age that like, oh, factory jobs created the middle class and those are like the bedrock of our society and democracy. And I hadn't, I didn't realize that before those jobs were unionized, they were terrible jobs. Like they were super dangerous, very low paid. They were awful jobs. And then unions basically turned them into the, you know, what we see as like the golden era of like factories and manufacturing. And so just the idea that some jobs like that, we just determine what jobs we think are skilled jobs and what we, Mm. we think are, are just bad jobs you know, like that should be bad jobs. And that's totally really arbitrary. It's just how we, what what the powers that be sort of decide. Yeah, and it's really like who does them. It's like the people, if you're like a woman or a person of color, you have less power in society to make sure that those jobs are good. People don't care about those jobs being good because people don't often care about women and people of color. So, and also like one thing that we learned is that in the New Deal, which we all think of as so amazing, which it was for a lot of people, they wrote out like domestic workers and agricultural workers. So that's kind of like the foundation for, um, the, so those jobs weren't, you couldn't unionize. Mm. So that's part of the reason why those jobs are still bad today. So unions really are the key, I guess. Yes. Well, we are Go happy unions. to have our union, yeah. which that's how we have healthcare. That's, we have minimums. We have all sorts of protections that we absolutely would not have um, without the WGA. Yeah. So I am dying to know, what was it like to work with President Obama? I mean, you were right there in it with him for this yeah. whole thing. It was surreal and amazing. And I kind of had to turn off half of myself just to be able to function um, like a normal <laughs> person. Like the first time I met him, you know, he really puts people immediately at ease, even though I was profusely sweating and... um <laughs> <laughs> awkward um 
he, you know, he knows that like his presence makes people feel all sorts of ways like crazy <laughs> and discombobulated. <laughs> um, so, but he was, you know, this was his baby. This is like, he was really in to the series and we had lots of meetings deciding what it should be. And he had a huge hand in it. And also he, you know, we tried to channel his like philosophy of the world and what was important through the series. So like the idea that we're all interconnected and rely on each other, that's a very like Obama idea. And Mm -hmm. that's why we, if we had, I don't know if we had made the series with Joe Biden, I don't know might be the same things. I don't know, but it's, we tried to really like be true to him in the series and also capitalize on like his gifts, which are, he's funny and he's casual and he's cool and he's can like shoot the shit with people. Yes. I mean, it was incredible. Like the scenes of him with the subjects of the film talking are just the best parts because he gets people to really open up and reveal things that do really connect us all. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really makes you realize that people are fundamentally the same. They have the same needs and desires. And the fact that he's able to just, as you said, put people at ease is, it's just fascinating. There's a scene where he's like in the basement listening to, a musician's music, the guy who works at a tech company. And he's like down in the basement listening to him and and he's discussing how he creates his music. And Obama's just like, oh, I get it. You know, he's so human. And then I love that you use that music to kind of bridge into the next scenes. But he's just endlessly appealing. He is. I mean, and he remembered like when Luke was giving him the tour, he's mentioned his first band, Smooth Tutors. And then Obama like (laughs) brings it back in the basement. And then one of my favorite moments is when Luke says, oh, my friend who goes by Nardo says, and the president's like, of course he does. Of course (laughs) course his name is Nardo. (laughs) So, I mean, the thing that makes those scenes work also is that like the president would become so well-prepared. Like we would just give him like background materials and he just knew everything about the people like we did. Mm, I, you know, normally when we shoot, I'm constantly like interrupting and prodding. And and with him, he kind of, he knew how to like start a scene and then, you know, go farther afield and then bring it back to some essential point. He just has some natural storytelling gift, which, um, and his people were like, it's going to be really annoying because he's going to be really good at this. Like (laughs) make you feel (laughs) like, like he will be better at this than you are, so just be prepared. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Another thing, Caroline, we're wondering is after the experience of making this, where do you think work is going in the future? Do you think we're going to come back around to a country where there is an upward trajectory in a strong middle class, or are we kind of headed in a really scary direction, which is how it feels to us right now. Yeah. But I don't know how it feels to you having gone on this huge journey. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like an economist or an expert in anything, but when we were doing research, we were reading about like a lot about inequality and how in societies it only gets fixed, addressed if there's some huge catastrophe <laughs> that happens and like we were like World War II. exactly we were like this isn't mm-hmm. gonna happen this is before covid and then covid happened we we're like oh okay so this is <laughs> it this is like the opportunity 
And I think, I mean, I think part of the reason the president wanted to do the series is because people feel so unstable. Like we all feel like what's going to happen to us? Like are our jobs going to be automated? Like what does the future look like? So he kind of wanted to give people a, a sense that like, okay, the world is always changing and going through these tumultuous changes and we always deal with them. So I think the series is supposed to be kind of a way of like resetting people's ideas about like, okay, this is somehow manageable, even though it seems like it's totally not. And he's, he's like a, an eternal optimist, I think. So I don't think, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but I, you know, when you talk to him, it's very comforting. It's like very soothing. You're just like, okay, things are going to be okay. Yeah. Like even though. I did come out of it with a sense of hope for sure. Yeah. And that's his, yeah. And he's read more and knows more about the stuff than anyone. So I just, I'm just like going to go with that. (laughs) Well, Caroline, switching gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. I want to end with asking your advice for people starting out who want to do what you do, which is Mm -hmm. make documentaries. I know a lot of people would love to do this. Of course, it's always changing the advice and how people get started. But what would be your advice? I think I have like contradictory advice, which is A, learn from other people. Like it is something i mean i for whatever my own like personal timidity is that or timidity like didn't start directing till later in my career but i had learned a lot at that point about how to do it and it is a craft at the end of the day you do have to like know certain skills to be able to do it so i would say it's good to work in any capacity and just try and absorb whatever you can from other people and i would say watch a ton of movies to see what you like, because you have to develop a sense of what you like and how you would want your work to be. At the same time, while you're learning from other people, you have to try it yourself because you can mm. only learn so much from work, you know, watching other people do it. So, um, and actually, Liz, you said something to me that I think about all the time, which I actually just said to Maeve, and she was just like, Mom, but like, because, <laughs> um, when you were like, oh, people like do this stuff. Like, it's not like other people who do this stuff and have work that's out in the world. It's like, we can do this stuff. You know, it's not like some special form of human being, like make stuff and then like other people watch it or read it. It's like, oh, I think that's like a big barrier to get over. That is the thing yeah. I wish that I had internalized when I was like 20. I feel like it took till I was 40 to fully understand that. But you did do it. You wrote books, you know. True, but I, nonetheless, I still (laughs) didn't feel it. (laughs) But I think, like, that is such a big thing. And, you know, it's so hard to see yourself as someone who's... Has a voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Caroline, thank you so much. Thank you. Everybody needs to go watch Working What We Do All Day. And also, if you haven't seen Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, you have to watch that as well. Immediately. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Caroline. Thanks, guys. Next up, we'll discuss whether we sometimes lose ideas. Yes, we do. But first, this break. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com sale. 
and book your free consult today. Okay, it is time for the mailroom where we answer listener questions. And this week we have a question from Ruth. She says, does it ever happen to you that you don't write down an idea and then forget it? It happens to me consistently, and every time it does, I swear I will never let it happen again, and then inevitably it does happen again. It is usually with ideas for dialogue or a scenario that is not related to anything I am writing, and I think that is part of the reason there is no urgency to immediately record it. Also, it usually happens when I am not writing. I often have my best thoughts when I am doing other things, and at times it doesn't even occur to me that the idea is an idea until much later when I think, wait, what was that thing I thought? That could be useful. Any help or wisdom on this would be appreciated. Do you have a special way slash place to record random ideas that don't fit anywhere? Well, Sarah, I mean, that happens to us all the time. All the time. I mean, (laughs) and the interesting thing is I think that doesn't just happen to writers. I think I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, shoot, I forgot to schedule that doctor appointment. And I know I'm going to remember in the morning because now I've thought about it. And then in the morning, it's like gone again. It's, I think, a universal thing. Yes. To combat this, once a listener sent me a little pad of paper and a pen and a mini flashlight to keep by my bed so that if I woke up in the middle of the night, I could write my idea down. And I did it for a while, and then, you know, you forget about something and you get out of the habit, so I need to get back in that habit. I love that they sent you a mini flashlight. I mean, that really makes it something that you actually can do. That's so nice. Yeah, so that I wouldn't bother Adam by turning the light on, (laughs) which makes sense. I am constantly trying to make myself write things down, I love the post-it note, writing it on a post-it note and sticking it on my computer or on my desk. I do it a lot with podcast segment ideas. If there's something where I think, oh, that would be a good podcast segment, or we're lucky that we have each other because we'll text each other things we don't want to forget. Yes, although, or we'll tell each other things we don't want to forget, thinking that that's going to embed it in both of our minds, but then both of us forget. So the text yes. thing is we much, much better. We have learned that telling the other person <laughs> is no guarantee that it's going to exist. Yeah. No. And then something that I do is I make voice memos. If I'm on a hike or something and I get an idea— I'll make a voice memo about it because it's hard to type and hike, but it's easy to just hit a voice memo and talk about it really quickly. So that's another thing I think you can do. But I love the post-it note idea as well. But I think you just have to tell yourself, I will forget this. It (laughs) is going to happen. You could also text yourself. I do that sometimes. Yeah. If I'm out and about. It's just an idea seems so profound or it pops so much in your mind. You couldn't possibly forget it. And then you do. And the other thing that I think is not true is people think, well, if it's really a good idea, I'll I'll remember it. And if I don't remember it, then it wasn't a great idea. But that is not true at all. Yeah, I think we comfort ourselves with that just to be like, well, it's okay because we know it's gone. But I agree. Sometimes you just lose things that really would have helped you break a story, really would have helped you evolve an idea. And it's just then it's gone. And you just have to hope that maybe you'll have the same idea again. Yeah, I'll give an example of this, Sarah. (laughs) We have this idea in our, you know, now non-existent season three of Fantasy Island that Ruby was going to fall in love with Rourke's aunt. Yes. I forgot that idea. (laughs) 
<laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> Luckily, you remembered, but I'm like, that is an amazing idea. That 100% is something we would have done, we would have loved. I think yes. viewers would have loved. I think Kiara would have loved it. And I totally forgot. Had you not remembered, that idea would have been completely gone. Yeah. So you just, sometimes your mind forgets things. Yes. So it is good to always have a backup, whether your backup is another person who is, you know, probably also a little bit unreliable. It just so happened that I remembered that one. Yeah. (laughs) Or a voice memo or a post-it or a notebook with a little flashlight. Now I feel like everyone should get a little flashlight. I know. So Ruth, we feel you. It is a universal problem. Write it down. Just every single time, write it down. Yes. Coming up, we are asking you all to help us with a Hollywood hack. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, it's time for a Hollywood hack. This week, we're asking you for the hack, which is we would really love to know what is the perfect T-shirt. This is an endless quest. Endless quest. Yes. Yes. So it is summer, just about, and it is time to refresh that T-shirt wardrobe. But as we all know, all T-shirts are not created equal. There are as many T-shirts as there are. It is so hard to find the perfect one. Sarah, I in the past have talked about having my T-shirts dry cleaned because I wanted to preserve the perfect T-shirt. But I just cannot make myself do it anymore. I just can't pay to dry clean my T-shirts. So I am now looking for the perfect T-shirt that I can wash in the washing machine. Now, if I have to hang it to dry, I can handle that. Yes, that's what I do. But I need to know, what can we wash? If you can dry it, that's even better. Well, yes, because we cannot spend the entire summer in strike (laughs) T-shirts. We have all yes, of those, exactly. but you can't wear one to dinner. <laughs> some basic white, some some basic black, some gray. Well, what's funny is we both have loved the T-shirts that we got at the Walmart in Puerto Rico have been some of our favorite T-shirts, but we didn't get enough. I wish I'd gotten yeah. a whole stock of them. I know. Yes, we did not bring enough clothes to Puerto Rico, because how can you if you're there for four months? So we were like searching and we were like, oh, these t-shirts, these are amazing. I mean, they're great t-shirts, but yeah, we're not going to be going back to Puerto Rico anytime soon. So what makes a good t-shirt? It's like the fit, it's the feel of it, it's the neckline. Again, it's being able to wash it and ideally dry it. Now I'll just put out there, I'm willing to pay. So I'd love a $10 t-shirt, but if someone knows of an amazing $50 t-shirt, $60 t-shirt, I will go there if it's the perfect (laughs) one. Well, especially if it'll last for a while. Yes, because that's the problem with t-shirts is they just get dingy and misshapen. That's why I would dry clean them. But we're looking. Help. Help us. Please email us um, at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. 
or in our Facebook group. Please post your favorite T-shirt. We're going to be listening, and we'll report back to everyone um, what we discover and what you all have to say. Okay, finally, Sarah, every week we recommend a book, movie, podcast, or anything else. It doesn't have to be new, just has to be something we love. And this week I'm recommending to go along with our discussion with Caroline about work, I'm recommending a podcast called Corporate Gossip, and it's described as from boardroom shakeups to C-suite scandals, the Corporate Gossip podcast brings you all the Wall Street tea. It's hosted by Becca Platsky, and it's just really interesting. I find it super interesting. It talks about like Disney. It talks about Enron. It talks about all these just corporations. I feel like I'm always trying to understand what goes on in corporations. And now I can with corporate gossip. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love hearing from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our guest, Caroline Sue. Watch Working, What We Do All Day on Netflix. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Fain, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, we haven't had a uh, celebrity sighting <laughs> in a long time. Like, there was the pandemic. I moved to Ojai. We haven't done any, but I feel like the best place right now to see celebrities is the picket line. You're absolutely right. I'm going to set that intention, Sarah. I'm going to manifest okay. a celebrity sighting on the picket line today. Okay. I'm hoping you see Jason Sudeikis. Okay. That'll be who I'm looking for. <laughs> From the Onward Project.